recognize the fact that mistakes are a blessing for a greater future. They give you the opportunity to course correct and improve. Whenever my back has been pushed against the wall and things haven't been certain and I've made huge mistakes, it's required me to become the next version of myself. In the back of your mind, your dreams should be real, right? Thanks all for tuning in to Dreamcatchers, where we make things happen. Dreamcatchers was formally launched to unlock the hidden potential in successful, self-motivated individuals who desire to take their life's work to the next level but need support to evolve. We are a collective group of professionals with various backgrounds that use our talents to assist those individuals in realizing their wildest dreams by providing education, inspiration, and direction. This podcast is where we share the lessons we've learned along the way to catching our dreams and give you some context around the how and the why to each approach to put you further ahead on the journey to catching your dream. Are you ready? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dream Catchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and I've got Tyler Chester with me today. Tyler, how are things? Nashville, right? Louisville, Louisville. Yes, sir. I was just in Nashville, though. I appreciate that. And, and actually, let me just back up a step because I say Louisville for folks who are not from Louisville. That's how you really pronounce it. But uh, Jerome, it's great to be with you, my friend. Yeah, I'm grateful to have you on the show. You got an amazing podcast. I believe it's called Elevate. But, you know, before we dive into all that stuff, if the listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? Oh, I appreciate that. Wow, we're getting right to it. You guys uh, reach out to me. Anywhere, man. I'm all over the place. Um, social media at the Tyler Chester. I promise I'm not egotistical. Of course, I have to battle my own ego every single day. But at the Tyler Chester, somebody had Tyler Chester already on there. So look me up there on Instagram, Twitter, wherever. Of course, Elevate Podcast is on every single platform you can ever imagine. And shout out to Elevate Nation. Wow, wow, wow. So you got an amazing podcast. You got a coaching program. You got all these things going on, but that's not where the story started. So let's dive into your background. Tell the listeners a little bit about you and how you got to where you are today. It's a journey, man. And that's what we were talking about before. And first conversation you and I had, we just really clicked because we're all about that adventure. We're all about that journey. And, you know, just the spiritual journey more than anything, which is kind of interesting, you know, in real estate and in business, you would have never thought that you would ever said that kind of phrase, like it's a spiritual journey. But for myself, you know, I came up sort of middle class. We never really had to worry about where our next meal was coming from or anything like that. But we, I didn't really come from a place where we thought big or we thought exciting, huge, inspirational thoughts because, you know, the model of the world and the references that I had surrounding me growing up were, you know, it's pretty average stuff. It's like, hey, you go to school, you get good grades, you get a good job. And maybe by the time you're 65, you're going to have a decent nest egg and, and you, you ride off into the sunset and, you know, you go on vacation, you know, once a year and that kind of thing. And you don't ask for the Jordans, man, because those are too expensive. You know, like, you know what, I know you feel like you just outgrew those shoes, but it's time to push through for another few months because, you know, we shouldn't be spending that. So that was where I grew up from, you know, middle of America. And it was interesting because that really impressed upon me, my thought process as I grew up. And I always thought that it would be a great success to work in the corporate world and to climb the corporate ladder. And so that's exactly what I did. After I graduated college, I started international marketing for, you know, a Fortune 500 company. And, you know, I was very pleased with myself in terms of what I had accomplished to that point. But then I looked around and said, man, the corporate world, it's, it's interesting because I was working for an, an organization that was 
highly regarded and, and many folks wanted to work for. It was actually ranked a top 50 place to work in America just due to the culture and, you know, a lot of the, the things that people liked the lifestyle of working for that company. But I also looked around and said, maybe there's more, maybe there's something more that I can create in my life. And I also became a little bit, you know, I don't know if it was defiant, but I was like, is this really it? Is this okay? Are people okay with this? And, you know, I started to question that a little bit. I started to think about what are my other options? You know, if I, if I didn't necessarily just want to show up somewhere at 8.30 and, and leave at 5.30, but then be frowned upon if I didn't stay until 6.30, um, you know, and because I looked at it and said, well, wait a minute, I'm, I'm just being more effective and efficient with my time. What if I'm taking initiative, I'm going the extra mile and pushing things forward, but then I also am done before you. Why do I have to stay longer? Why can't I have a lifestyle outside of my career? And so that started to really kind of eat at me. It took years really for me to fester in that and to really start questioning like what else is out there. And so long story short, I came upon real estate and said, this is something you know that I can build a life around. This can be a vehicle that can create not only cash flow and practical means for me, but I can be surrounded with other folks like yourself, you know, other folks that are excited, other people that are thinking bigger and that have no limits on their future. And really, the greatest thing that's come to me through this journey is discovering myself, discovering that I am limitless, discovering that my mind is the only limitation of my future and that, you know, really anything that I plant within my mind can be a part of my reality in the future. And so that has been the most exciting thing. And that's why I coach others. I get more fulfillment from, you know, providing breakthroughs and co-creating breakthroughs and co-creating futures with other people through real estate. And then of course, you know, syndicating large multifamily apartment complexes that provides not only opportunities for myself, my family, and the people that I care about, but so many others to create financial abundance. And to me, it's exciting, man. I'm just, uh, I'm on a journey where I'm reading, I'm learning, I'm, I'm having these type of conversations. Like when I'm talking, I'm, I may not make any sense to half the listeners out there, but I'm learning something at the same time. And that's what I care about, man. I just want to grow. I just want to become more as a person. Awesome. 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 And so, you know, coaching is one of my passions and it's something that I wouldn't trade for anything in the world. So let's talk about that because I don't think a whole lot of people actually understand what coaching is and how it actually works and why you would pay somebody to help you figure out how to go through the process and all of the things. And so like, what was your first experience with coaching? And then what made you transition or shift into being a coach? Absolutely. So when I got into real estate, I didn't know anything about it. I mean, when I looked around, you know, I saw houses and that's what I thought as real estate. When I defined real estate, it was single family houses. So that was my model of this world, which as we know, as you continue to peel back the onions, there's so many different options to get involved and become successful in real estate. And so as I was beginning, you know, I said, you know, for me to be successful here, I need to find a competitive edge and I invested in coaching. This was in 2014. So I got into real estate 2013. So this is now seven years ago at the time of our recording today, but a year into my journey, I recognized I needed a competitive edge and I needed to gain some insights in terms of how to develop my business, how to structure my business, how to grow and how to exponentially, you know, rise above the competition because it was, it was competitive and it still is a competitive business unless you look at it as how can we collaborate and how can we be colleagues rather than, than competitors. So there's definitely some mindset shifts 
that I learned along the way. But, you know, I became so obsessed with the development of myself through that process. And what I learned from developing my own psychology, I was always fascinated with psychology. I always wanted to know why consumers made certain decisions, why humans behave in the ways they do. But I didn't discover that truthfully and deeply until I went through coaching myself. And so I've continued to invest in my own coaching. I still have a coach today. You know, in fact, I've got a coaching call this afternoon. And man, we continue to up level every single day. And it's amazing to me the depth of growth that you can experience and then share that with others. So the biggest thing that I've learned along the process is that the teacher learns the most. And not only do I encourage my clients and, and the people that I work with in a coaching capacity to share what we talk about, like a lot of times the homework that I assign to my clients is I want you to go share this with three people. I want you to go teach this back to someone else because that's how I know it anchors in the own understanding to them and then they can apply it even more. So that's been huge for me. But in terms of coaching, I mean, you know, the first thing that I see is that most people have limiting beliefs. They limit themselves based on their own background, based on their own model of the world and the experiences that they've had growing up or as a child or even as adolescent or early adulthood or even beyond that. But we all, you know, we fortify and we, we can own our beliefs. If you really want to own your limiting beliefs, guess what? They're yours. But if you want to shatter through them, you can do that. And there's a process. I mean, we certainly work through that process. But, you know, beyond that, it's about time management. How are you spending your time? Are you spending it in low dollar value time? Are you spending it in high dollar value time? Are you spending it in things and ways that really impact, you know, the quality of your life and your business for years and decades to come? So it is about taking an inventory of those things. You know, it's so many different pieces of the process. It's about developing systems. It's about developing, you know, processes. It's about developing an overarching strategy and executing on that strategy because, you know what, we could say yes to everything and spin our wheels all over the place. But if it's not getting us to the outcome that we really, really, really want, you know, then what's it all worth? Because I know that you would agree with me, Jerome, when, when I say that real estate is a vehicle, man, it is a vehicle towards creating an outcome in our life. And if we lose sight of that, we can really lose sight of living a fulfilling life. So all of those things are extremely important. But at the end of the day, it is about accountability, holding people accountable. Because I, like yourself, are driven to create and chase a dream. I want to create a larger vision for myself. And I want to do the same for other people. At the end of the day, it's amazing what accountability can do for you. And when I hold my clients accountable, and when I hold their feet to the fire, and I make them a little bit uncomfortable, I'm going to push them, I'm going to stretch them. It's amazing the breakthroughs that is created through that. And it's amazing the satisfaction and ultimately, honestly, the fulfillment, as crazy and as corny as it sounds, the fulfillment that is created in people's life through this process is absolutely profound. And that's what I live for, man. That's what I get out of bed for every single day. And that's why I do it, man. So I know you share that with me. Yeah, without question, man. It was just really interesting to hear your take on it because I don't think a lot of people actually believe that, hey, I can celebrate somebody else's success and get the same joy as if it was my own. And I think that's what really happens when you're coaching, like you become one with the person that you're working with. And through that, you know, when they experience that breakthrough or have that big success, you can celebrate as if it's your own. Absolutely. I remember the first time it happened for me. I mean, I was a kid 
And one of my friends got a new toy and I was like, we got a new toy. And it wasn't my toy, right? But we got to with it. And it's just amazing to be able to, you know, say, hey, that happened. And, you know, as I've gotten older, and I remember when I first started, like, and I looked around and I was fortunate enough to have a coach through the company I was working in. I saw my life was changing pretty aggressively and dramatically. Then I looked to the left and the right, and a lot of my friends and colleagues were not moving at the same pace. And yeah. I was like, what's so different? And I realized it was the actual intentional daily development with somebody else being engaged in that to make sure that I was staying true to what I said I was going to. And I mean, it's no different than if you're exercising or anything else. And, you know, one of my favorite books is Relentless, right, by Tim Grover. And he talks about the cleaners. And in one line in the book, he said, I'm the guy that gets the call, <laughs> right? And I was like, I want to be the guy when that top level performer needs a result. They give me that call and they're trying to get to the next place. And then you kind of rig your success when you're working with people that are at that level. But by the same token, only a very small amount of people can actually drive those people to that next place. And so, you know, I, I know you're crushing it and I appreciate that. And so you said that you, you had to sit in that nine to five atmosphere for a while where people were just guarding their desk and being present for time and not actually productive and all of that. What was it that actually forced you to make that transition and do something different? I think I was just always defiant growing up. I was always a little bit of a rebellious kid and I, I didn't do anything crazy. I was never in juvenile or anything like that, but I always questioned authority a little bit. I don't know what that was within me, but I take it as a blessing and as a gift, you know, from God or from the divine, you know, but ultimately I looked around and said, man, I don't think this is my future. I don't think these type of realities are the reality that I want to accept myself. And so I recognized that and I, you know, it, it was very painful to be honest with you, you know, for a few years, I didn't really know what that meant. I didn't know if it was just, Hey, am I just like, do I just miss college? Do I just miss, you know, being a kid or high school or whatever? And, you know, is this just the process? I just need to accept it because everybody said, look, man, you know, the best days are behind you, you know, man, reminiscing on those days. Those were great, but this is adulthood, you know, and it was interesting because I listened to that and I internalized that for a while. But then ultimately I said, that can't be all there is. I don't have to accept that. That doesn't seem right. And so I started questioning it. And, you know, as I started to explore, opportunities showed themselves to me. And as I started asking my mind questions, which I didn't even realize what I was doing at the time, I started asking how, you know, how else could I create a better future? What else could there be for me? And people started to show up in my world and they started to give me clues. They started, you know, I didn't understand the power of synchronicities, the power of spirituality and the quantum field and all these things. I had no idea about this, but it was all showing up to me subconsciously. And, and thankfully, I was asking the defiant questions and I wasn't accepting my current reality. And as I continued to ask those questions, you know, new opportunities came up and I started taking action on that. So that's kind of how the process went for me. And, you know, I haven't looked back since. Of course, there's been many ups and downs. There's been many challenges. There's been many times where I've even questioned like, wow, why did I do this? I could have had a more certain, more stable future. But thankfully, you know, I look back and say, man, I'm glad I pushed through some of those uncertainties, some of those challenges, because I'm grateful for not only the growth that it required from me, 
ultimately, I, I go back to that always. Whenever my back has been pushed against the wall and things haven't been certain and I've made huge mistakes, it's required me to become the next version of myself. And so that's been the greatest blessing of all of this. But really, that was kind of the, the whole process for me. Wow. Okay. All right. And so you start asking the tough questions. And what happened when you started asking those questions? Did you go back to like your parents and start questioning things? Or was this all self-study and new people and new connections? You know, it's interesting because I still am trying to like take an inventory of, you know, sort of my upbringing. Because I, I don't want to look at it and say, oh, I'm so mad about my upbringing or anything like that. But I didn't necessarily ask questions of my parents or anything like that. But I did start asking questions of people who took more of an entrepreneurial path. And I didn't know that I was going to be taking an entrepreneurial path, to be honest with you. What I ultimately did was I got my real estate license and I started selling real estate on the side. And then I started reading books. And then I started asking more and more questions. And I realized that my curiosity was endless. There was a reservoir of depth that I never would tap to the bottom. And so as I read one book, I had more questions and I needed to buy four more books. And as I had a coaching session, I needed to ask more questions and I needed to add five more people to my database and I needed to set up five more meetings. And so I just continued to ask more questions. And of course, when I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I'm like, bing, you know, like, wait a minute. So there's an option for me to bring assets in my life that can give me practical you know, cash flow and upside and all these things that we all love about real estate. And then so I was like, all right, I got to start investing in real estate. And then I started making every mistake in the book. As I started doing that, I'm like, wait a minute, he didn't talk about this. He didn't tell me about the challenges of this. So that was a real life study and a real life extra growth process. So it was almost the naivety, or I don't even know if that's the right word, but being naive in that process really kind of helped me gain the answers. And I'm still looking for them today. I'm still looking to surround myself with people like you. I'm still looking to, you know, have great people on my podcast to add to my world and give to other people so I can learn more. Because, you know, the best process here is that the growth never ends. I mean, there's always a mountain to climb, but there's also five mountains behind that. And so, you know, it's exciting because it's a journey and you just really don't know what's around the next corner, but it's an adventure. And I know that what's around the next corner is always going to be greater than what was around the last. And so that's really kind of been my whole process. Yeah. And so some people don't enjoy the process, right? And when I'm running in the morning, I listen to this on repeat, this David Goggins thing. It's in his interview with, what's the guy's name? He's got a huge podcast and it's like ludicrous. It's the one where Elon Musk was uh, smoking weed on it. Oh, Rogan, Joe Rogan. Oh, it's Joe, like there is no (laughs) end. And they just start laughing with this maniacal laugh. And it's like, if you think you're going to arrive, then you've missed the boat already. Like it's the journey, whatever you figure out your North Star is, that is life. And that's the whole meaning. Like you got the day that you were born, the day that you died, but that dash is everything. And those other dates are just going to be the start and the end. Yeah. And so what's been the most rewarding thing of going on this journey that you've set out on? It's got to be the self-discovery, man, the inner work. I mean, I would have never slowed down to listen to my own mind if I didn't get so stressed out on this process, to be honest with you. I got so stressed out about money and about the discomfort and the uncertainty and, you know, trying to figure out the complex nature of real estate and building a network and building my systems and, 
and learning all these things at once. It was like a pressure cooker, but you know, the ultimately, like I noticed that it was like, wow, my emotions are taking over me. My emotions are making me make decisions that I wouldn't have if I was stable. And so, you know, the inner journey and recognizing that, you know, we've got a conscious and a subconscious mind and we've got a reptilian brain and we've got saboteurs and we also have a wise sage within our soul within our mind and you know that we don't have to be the mind but we can also be the observer of the mind and the director of the mind and so for me that's been the greatest process of this is exploring the inner self and recognizing that that really serves everything greater not only can i achieve greater success in real estate but i can also live in a greater capacity i can live more joyfully i can live with more excitement and with more purity and, and, and all these things. So I can live, you know, a greater life now in the present, but I can also create a greater future. And I also don't have to be anxious about what's next. And I don't have to be, I don't have to beat myself up on the mistakes that I made in the past because I can look at the mistakes and say, what a blessing. You know, I can say, thank you for the mistakes. I can shift my mindset and I can recognize the fact that mistakes are a blessing for a greater future. They give you the opportunity to course correct and improve, which really at the end of the day is what it's all about. And, you know, for me, it was like I was brought in by the excitement and the possibilities of wealth. And then as I continued to build that, and as I continued to build my own business, I recognized that really at the end of the day, that's what gets you in the door. But for me, you know, exploring myself and my own soul and my own, you know, personality and all of the ego and all of these things with myself and then sharing that with other people and allowing them to do the same and, and really kind of breaking free from those bonds that, you know, our environment creates and it compounds over years and years and years. And how can you break free from that and live such an exciting life? To me, that's been by far the most enjoyable process. And look, I hope that I have decades and decades and decades more of exploration there because I'll tell you what, man, I love our beautiful blue planet. I love traveling. I love, you know, hiking. I love getting on a plane and going somewhere and experiencing new culture and eating great food and listening to great music and, and speaking with beautiful people like yourself. In addition to that, I love the exploration that's almost more deep and almost more vast within. And so it may sound weird to a lot of the listeners, man, but that's definitely the most exciting part of this process. Wow. <laughs> All right. So there's two ways I want to go. I'm going to go back all the way to the beginning because your ego just came back up, right? And he said, you basically have to, you know, fight your ego or control your ego on a daily basis when we first broke thing. Yep. And so let's talk about the ego because I think traditionally we're trained that the ego is what we're designed to feed. And you're saying, no, we need to starve it out. And so let, let's go down this path of ego and your thoughts on ego. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you can either make decisions based on how you believe you will be received or based on how you would like to be received, or you can make decisions based on really the truth of who you are as an individual. And I think it comes down to listening and, and giving yourself enough space and enough awareness to understand who your true self is, because our ego wants to be front and center. It wants to recognize that you know, like for me, like we talked about this before, and I don't remember if we had hit record or not, but for me, like my ego wants to feel like it has gone hard this week. It's, it's achieved, it's created, 
you know, new processes, new procedures, new people in my network because I want to push forward and I'm a hyper achiever. But I recognize that that's just a part of my ego. Like if you ever read the book, Positive Intelligence, it's a great book. I forget what the guy's name is that wrote the book. He's a professor at Stanford. So maybe put the link in the, uh, in the show notes for that book. But it's, it's an amazing way to recognize that, you know, there's 10 saboteurs that our ego really puts front and center. And at any point in time, you know, our ego has got two of these that are really playing, you know, the biggest roles. And so can you ever get rid of them? No. But can you sit in the driver's seat and say, look, you're sitting in the back. I'm driving. I appreciate you trying to keep me alive. I appreciate you supporting this personality that I don't necessarily have to identify with. You know, beyond that, the other one is the judge. I mean, who doesn't judge themselves? Who doesn't judge other people all the time? I don't know about you, but if I'm driving down the freeway and somebody cuts me off, I mean, my judge saboteur wants to say, what an idiot. I mean, what are these people thinking? Like, have you ever driven a car before? so on and so forth. And I say the same thing to myself. I'm more hurtful towards the things that I say to myself or the judges, the ego, the judge says, I can't believe you stuttered during that podcast. I can't believe that you mistyped that email. You idiot. Like you are a disaster. Like didn't you learn before? And so the ego wants to tell you that it knows everything. But you can get to a place where you listen to your intuition, you listen to your infinite intelligence, you listen to who you are as an individual. And I think it takes a lot of exploration, like we were talking about before, you know, it takes a lot of listening. And, you know, I know it's a hot word, it's a hot button topic, but meditation is important. Writing is important. Journaling is important. Speaking with other people like yourself and having these type of conversations allows, you know, the true self to come out as far as I'm concerned. And that's been my process. But man, I, I know that I have a lot more to explore there to really recognize. But I'd love to hear what you have to say on the subject, too. Yeah, so it was probably 2012. I wrote a, I wrote a poem and it was called Homicide or Suicide. But in the end, the ego must die. Right. And so, you know, spending time working on like killing the things that don't actually make sense. Right. People often say, well, this is just who I am, but are you being your best self, right? Or are you just being somebody and you're not actually the person on the checklist when you get to the end of the road that this is who you were supposed to become? And if you're not that person yet, then saying, well, this is just who I am isn't actually an accurate answer. It's a cop-out, right? And so pushing people past that and Ego can be a motivator or it can be a deterrent. And I think you just have to decide which way you're going to harness that energy. And what I choose to do is just try to be, you know, selfless, try to be really focused on serving and in serving, you get a reward. And I think the one of the toughest lessons that I've learned in the past five years is you can serve, serve, serve. And there's people out there who will take, take, take and have no interest in giving you anything back. I call them vampires, right? And so if you're going to live in the servitude or the giving uh, manner, you got to make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that view the world the same way. People who have that abundance mindset and expect prosperity in the world. Because if you're in a world where you're surrounded by takers, then you end up empty. And, you know, if I go back not five, but 10 years, that's where I was. I was in the very deep hole, completely empty, fully depleted. And that's when I started asking my questions. And that's when I actually had my red pill moment where I exited the matrix completely. I, I decided that, hey, 
you know, I'm stopped getting haircuts, right? I haven't had a haircut in 10 years, right? I, I'm not <laughs> going to spend time trying to placate to people and please people when it doesn't actually serve the mission that I'm here for. And I got really clear about, you know, what I was here for. And it's to help people actually manifest that space and that environment that they see. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a lady who's really well off, runs a pretty big hard money lending company. And she said, Jerome, I can tell you're seeking. And the truth of the matter is I'm going to be seeking for the rest of my life, right? Yes. I, there is no arrival. There is no real destination. There's only progress towards that North Star. And I don't think I'll ever get there, but I'm going to work as hard as I can to move to that place and spend my breath investing in other people and helping them manifest the mission that they're on. I love that. Somebody said that to me too. I can tell you're seeking and I find it to be fascinating because, you know, that's just become the core of my, you know, my true identity. It's not my ego, but it's who I am. And and I appreciate the fact that you shared that. I'm just curious. And you know, what does that really mean? I mean, for me, it's like, I just learned that everybody and everything that happens in our life happens for a reason. We have to recognize that these opportunities are meant to be, and maybe they're clues for something greater in our life. And maybe if we become conscious that we can recognize those opportunities, we can give to other people, we can create breakthroughs for other people, and we can create great things for ourselves. We can be willing to receive abundance as well. I mean, is that how you recognize being a seeker yourself as well? Yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, I don't practice Christianity anymore, but I go back to that verse, right? And it says, seeking ye shall find. Yeah, Seeking is, for me, I, I accept that I know that I don't fully believe anything, right? Because if I know, then there's no opportunity to learn anything else, yep. right? Once you're certain about something, then you can't learn anything because there's no room for it. And so I'm seeking to get that extra piece, whatever it is, just one more, 1% better. And in that, um, I'm open to finding out new things. Now, there are some things that I do know, but if somebody can illustrate something or demonstrate it or present it in a different light, I'm open to receiving it and adding it to what, you know, was the base. But, you know, back when I went through my transition, I questioned everything. There was no more ritual. There was no more practice. It was, you know, what do you really believe? What's been your experience and what's true? And, you know, you think about the state of the U.S. right now and race relations and a bunch of other stuff. And it's just like, but what if that wasn't your experience? What do you Mm -hmm. believe then? Right. And, you know, people will seek and adopt. And we haven't got to this point, but it's probably a great path to go down is suffering, right? There's a whole lot of people seeking suffering. They enjoy being a victim. And in that victimhood, you give up your control. You give up your ability to make impact. And so, you know, how do you help people when they come to you with suffering or when you're working through your own suffering? I think it's about reframing because, you know, we can say, woe is me. And we can say, I can't believe that I have to deal with this. Or we can say, wow, this is a gift. This is a gift for me to stop and recognize what is it that's causing this emotion? Because at the end of the day, we're human beings are emotion carrying mechanisms. You know, we're, we're emotion carrying beings and we live in a constant state of a flux of emotions. And so 
you know, how do we view suffering and what does suffering mean to us and what does that mean? So, you know, it's coming back to sort of having an observational state and in looking at that and saying, oh, that's interesting. I'm curious to know why do I feel this way and what has caused me to feel that way? And is this an addiction of my body? Is this an addiction of the chemistry of my body that's wanting to keep me safe? Is this my ego, my identity saying, look, this is what we do. This is how we proceed forward. This is how we create results is by feeling fear, by feeling worry, by feeling anxiety, by feeling woe is me, by feeling like the victim. Or am I, do I have to live that way? Could I live in a state of joy and of gratitude to say, thank you for the challenges. Thank you for allowing me to grow beyond these challenges because without them, what would we be? We would be, you know, we would just be seeking just continual pleasure. And I don't know about you, but when I go through challenges, when I overcome challenges, that's when I feel, you know, most satisfied and most fulfilled in my life because I become more. And so it is about framing. It's about your psychology. It's about your mindset. And it's about your awareness and sitting with that rather than, you know, a lot of people in America, I believe when they feel suffering, they want to mask it. They want to place their attention elsewhere. They want to go watch TV. And I'm not saying I'm holier than thou. I'm just saying that we've all been there and we've all got to go through this process to say, all right, when I feel this, how am I placing my attention? Am I placing it elsewhere? Am I shifting my suffering to someone else because I feel like the victim or because I feel fear? Am I going to go and try to shift this energy to someone else? Or am I going to look at that and say, what is it that caused this? Is this a loop for me? Is this something that happens for me on a daily basis? Is this something that happens for me more continually than that? So how do I, how do I observe that? So I think it's really, really important. And it's something that we all have to course correct on every single day. I know I do. It's like, okay, you know, every morning you wake up with it and it's like, oh gosh, man, I got a lot on my schedule today. You know, I feel like, man, there's a lot of challenges. I still got to figure out all these problems. And, you know, it is a state thing. There's a physiology involved there too. You know, you got to recognize that. And so if you can sort of tap the wait a minute, I have been laying down all night. I'm thirsty. I've been, you know, I'm tired also at the same time. How can I get into my physiology and how can I work on my state that can also then, you know, work on my story as Tony Robbins talks about, which can then impact my strategy and how I look at everything. So, uh, you know, it's really important. But what you were saying earlier too, I think is, is extremely important too, is holding two thoughts in your mind at once and being willing to update your thinking, being willing to update your knowledge and saying, look, I, I believe that this perspective was most appropriate, you know, for a while and at first. But now that you make this compelling argument, you know, I'm willing to understand that perspective or just showing humility and showing that, you know what, you don't know everything. And I wish that more people would would join on that. And I think that more people will. It's just a matter of time. But, you know, good always prevails, I believe. And so my hope and my optimism says that America and the world will be greater on back of these challenges that we're experiencing. But it does come back to where are you placing your attention? Are you placing it on being a victim or are you placing it on the opportunity that your suffering may be creating? So at one point during this conversation, you mentioned like worrying about money. And I think a lot of people have that challenge, especially when they're trying to make that transition from the addiction of a paycheck to potentially irregular income. And so how did you bridge that gap? And if you're willing to talk about it, like how did that show up for you? 
Yeah. Um, I've had times where, especially after that, like the addiction of the paycheck, like you said, there's so much certainty in that, even if there's no upside, you know, I've heard that it's, you know, people have said it's the most addicting thing on the planet above heroin, you know, is a, is a, is a steady paycheck. And if you think about it, it's really interesting to consider. And I can understand that. I mean, um, you know, there's a lot of value in certainty and, and security and safety. And if you want to create great abundance, unlimited abundance, you've got to be willing to go into the unknown. You've got to be willing to go into the deep forest and have no idea what's coming next and being willing to adapt and doing whatever it takes. So I think cultivating the identity of defiant commitment and, you know, no matter what happens, I will overcome. But for me, you know, it's interesting. There's been times where it's like, I have no idea how I'm going to overcome this challenge. And this was, this was pretty early in the process, but I will tell you, it's, it was a couple of years where it's like, man, money's going in the wrong direction right now. And I keep having more problems. I keep having, you know, things, it's like false starts. I don't know about you, but my original start of the journey and, and it, it happens still, but it's riddled with false starts. You think that you're going to be successful. Things are starting to look up and then all of a sudden, boom, you're knocked down. I mean, like, for example, when I started investing in real estate, it was like, I had terrible tenants and it was like, my God, they're not paying rent too. And you're telling me that also we have roaches and we have bed bugs and we have leaks and we have, you know, frozen pipes and we have all of these things. I mean, people selling drugs in the units and it's like, oh my God, I can't afford this. So I just remember just really at some point just saying, man, this is so overwhelming. I'm going to put this off to myself and I'm just going to place, you know, my intention on my own focus. What can I control? And I'm going to do my best every single day and, you know, take some of this off my shoulders. I mean, I, I had times where it was like, man, I just got to pray. I just got to pray that it all works out. And it's amazing that it did. And, and I just continued to show up every single day. And I'm not going to lie. There were some days where I was like, man, I can't do it. I can't show up today. And it, but I do think that the universe tests you. I think the universe tests how committed are you. And there's a lot of people like, you know, I'm sure you've read Think and Grow Rich and many of the listeners have too. It's like the story of the guy digging for the gold, man. He's two feet away and he's like, man, this is a waste of time. I'm going to go sell my equipment. He sells the equipment and the guy comes in and takes his equipment and two feet later, he hits this massive gold mine. And I think it's all about, are you willing to be persistent? Are you willing to push through? And uncertainty is typically a calling card. When there's more uncertainty, there's more discomfort, there's more challenges. It's like, all right, keep going and it's going to work out. And that's been my experience. And I know it's been experience of many others who have mentored me. And so that's been a guiding light for me. Lean into the discomfort, lean into the uncertainty. But that doesn't feel safe. And we're taught to be no. safe back to the reptile brain, right? Yeah. Well, we are. And, you know, the other thing that's hard and, it, you know, I'm being sort of a first generation entrepreneur. I didn't have those references. Like I couldn't go ask my parents like, hey, what did you do when this, when this happened? And there's no disrespect to my parents just because they did the best they could with the information they had. So kind of going through that, that was even more extreme. It felt more extreme for me because I didn't know if the information that was being shared with me was real and it wasn't tried and true. And I wasn't for sure if like, am I being sold a bill of goods? And like, is this going to be a total disaster? But thankfully, the clues did come along the way. And it, and it gave me a little bit of breadcrumb here and there to say, keep going, because 
this principle will apply elsewhere as well. And so that's kind of been my experience. Have you experienced the same, Jerome? Oh, yeah. I can't even. My parents. So my dad always wanted to be an entrepreneur. He came home with this uh, self waterless cleaning system at one point called Squirt the Dirt, right? And he was going around trying to sell it out the trunk. And he was going to do that after he got out of the military. And my mom was like, no, I want you to go get a job. And he did it because, you know, he just, he wanted to make sure, like, that's the one thing he wanted to do. He wanted to make sure he provided now, but he's just, he always has these ideas of things that he wants to do, but the reality of the situation is he'll never go do them because, you know, he's got 40 years of training of having a job and that's how it's going to end up. And, you know, extremely grateful. In fact, you know, I, I think about often how I used to jump out of an airplane for extra $200 a month so we could go out to dinner or get that pair of shoes or whatever else. But, you know, the backside of that was pain, right? Arthritis in his knees and hips and having to have surgery and, you know, not being able to have a great quality of life prior to those surgeries. And, you know, it makes me really think long and hard about the sacrifices that you make with your body because you really only get one, right? And then you got to work through the rest of it. And so how do you make smart choices so that when you're 30 years older or 40 years older, you're still able to enjoy your body and move around? And, you know, the flip side of that is now that he's had his replacement surgeries, like he plays with me and the kids in the yard and we were playing dodgeball one day and it was good to like see him try to run and get out of the way and all kind of stuff. Right. But, you know, prior to that, it's just not something that he could do. And it was because of the sacrifices he made for that $1,200 a year. Right. For get a new pair of cleats or get tennis shoes or whatever else. And it goes back to the point. And I think it's the most valuable lesson he ever taught me is love, right? Like Mm. you have to love those around you. You have to be willing to sacrifice because that's, that's how love shows up. Your willingness to sacrifice your own comfort in order for others to prosper or enjoy the fruits of your labor. And so, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's huge, man. It's huge. Well, I I just want to make a big point here because I think that people seek certainty out of love for other people because they, they, feel like, and there's not a ton of reference points in, in average America and the average world that if you don't have that certainty, you're putting everyone at risk and people are care for you. They care for you when you're taking those risks that are uncertain. It's unclear. How are you going to take that next step? And so I think it's really important to love that and appreciate that and to say, Hey, look, I'm also doing this out of love too, because I want to create a limitless future. And, you know, I I get it. I totally get it. And I appreciate it. So I think that's a great point. Yeah. And so as we come to the close, let's let's jump into the final four. The first one is, what are you most grateful for now that you're on the other side of, you know, your journey and you've made that transition? I don't know, man. I'm, I'm grateful for, I think at this point, I'm grateful for the contribution that I'm able to be in a position to give to other people, um, not only just through conversations like this, but, you know, continuing to grow my business through a contribution standpoint, but also not even business wise. I think just giving to other people to me fills up, fills up my soul. And, you know, we're looking for, you know, what, what organization do we want to contribute to on an ongoing basis? But beyond that, it's just giving to other people and, and having, you know, some of the suffering experiences that we discussed to be able to relate to other people because that's a human condition. That is something that, man, it feels so lonely and it feels like so much despair. But what I've learned through kind of going through that, it's amazing what I can give to other people. So 
I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share and contribute to other people and, and other people's future. Awesome. What dream are you most focused on catching next? Man, you know what? Uh, I have, I have a lot of dreams, honestly. Um, I have a dream to, you know, I, I have traveled a lot. I have a dream to continue to do that. Um, I'm getting married here in the next two months and we have a lot of things that, uh, that we have on our, you know, vision board and things that we want to accomplish. You know, one thing I've always loved and I grew up loving and playing basketball, but you know what, man, one of my biggest dreams, and this is crazy, I'm putting it out in the universe now is I want to be a part of an ownership of an NBA team because I love the NBA so much. And I just think that would be the most epic thing ever. And what a way to put yourself in a position to contribute. And so that's, that's one of my biggest dreams, man. Wow. NBA team ownership. I love it. Let's go. What gift are you giving the world, Tyler? I think I'm giving the gift of opportunity because at the end of the day, what we're seeing right now in the streets and across the world, across our country is a, you know, a closure of opportunity for people. And I think that's where a lot of unrest comes from. So I think that anybody has the opportunity of creating limitless opportunity for themselves. And so I feel like, you know, in my own little way, in my own corner of the world, I can at least share the fact that it all starts in your mind and it continues with how do you treat yourself and how do you explore within yourself? Because we all have such a depth of exploration to do, but I think giving opportunity to other people is the greatest thing that I can give. Awesome. First in your mind, then in the physical. That's right. What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from our conversation? Man, I, I think the thing that the listeners should take away is that there are no limits you can actually do anything you want. You can be whoever you want. You don't have to be who your ego says that you should be. You don't have to protect yourself based on what you think is acceptable, but you can actually become who you are, you know, just by sitting with that and, and going through a little bit of pain and recognizing that pain is, is growth. And that is not a bad process. That's actually a great process. And, you know, creating unlimited future is really you know, it's, it's within your grasp. And, you know, the question that I ask myself a lot is why not Tyler? And I want the listener to say, why not me? Why can't I do that? And when you do ask yourself that, you know, instead of saying, well, I can't do that because you can say, well, how can I, and who wants to go on this journey with me and who wants to help me? Because you know what, we're all better together. And, and who is it that you can bring along your path to go there? Because everybody has an inner dream chaser within themselves. We're all born dream chasers. We were all born creative. We were all born entrepreneurs. So what can you do to shed away the shackles of the ego and the things that, you know, society and your environment created and stacked on your personality to protect you and make you feel safe and comfortable and, and, and certain, you know, what can you do to break free of that and really become you know, something so much greater. So I think if you take away that, you know, that I would be super grateful for that because I think that's the launching pad for everything. Tyler, I appreciate you. I want to just throw some love on you for, you know, coming and sharing with the audience today. I think you're a great example of somebody who went out and caught their dreams and is helping other people do the same thing. And because of that, I think you're making the world a better place. So again, thank you. And we'll talk soon. My man, thank you so much. Thank you for joining the tribe today. We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real. <laughs>